Hello, friends. You're listening to Heaven's Light on your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160 The Quest. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Ike, Carol Tearsmith, Jack Tyson, and of course, we have Father Jim Blunt from the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity on the phone. And today, we're going to be talking about our Blessed Virgin Mary. We love her so much, and it's her day today, so we want to talk about her. And But first, we know we've got to start with prayer. So, Father Jim, would you lead us in an opening prayer? Hi, Annie. Hello, team. Sure. Thank you. Hey, Father. Hi, Father. Hi, guys. I thought that we would pray Psalm 51 together as an opening prayer, mm. because that's the beautiful psalm called the Miserere, um, the song of pleading for mercy that Our Lady asks us to pray on December the 8th at noon. So probably somebody listening to us right now out west, it probably is noon. So let's go ahead and pray Psalm 51, asking our Lord through Our Lady to have mercy on us, on Atlanta, and on our beautiful country. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Team, would you like to say this after me, line by line? Sure. Yes. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. Have Have mercy mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. In your abundant compassion, blot out my offense. In your abundant compassion, blot out my offense. Wash away all my guilt. Wash away all my guilt. From my sin, cleanse me. From my sin, cleanse me. For I know my offense. For I know my offense. My sin is always before me. My sin is always before me. Against you alone have I sinned. Against you alone have I sinned. I have done such evil in your sight. I have done such evil in your sight. That you are just in your sentence. That you are just in your sentence. You are blameless when you condemn. You are blameless when you condemn. True, I was born guilty, a sinner. True, I was born guilty, a sinner. Even as my mother conceived me. Even as my mother conceived me. Still, you insist on sincerity of heart. Still you insist on sincerity of heart. In my inmost being, teach me wisdom. In my inmost being, teach me wisdom. Cleanse me with hyssop that I may be pure. Cleanse me with hyssop that I may be pure. Wash me, make me whiter than snow. Wash me, make me whiter than snow. Let me hear sounds of joy and gladness. Let me hear sounds of joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn away your face from my sins. Turn away your face from my sins. Blot out all my guilt. Blot out all my guilt. A clean heart create for me, O God. A clean heart create for me, O God. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. Do not drive me from your presence. Do not drive me from your presence. Nor take from me your Holy Spirit. 
nor Nor take take from me your Holy Spirit. Restore my joy in your salvation. Restore my joy in your salvation. Sustain in me a willing spirit. Sustain in me a willing spirit. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. May God grant to everyone who's listening to us today and in the future the gift of spotlessness and purity, of holiness and of joy, and eternal life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Thank you, team. Father, uh, this is Jack. It's great to be back with you again this week. Thank you, Brother Jack. And as Annie uh, already alluded to, today is a, a very special day, at, you know, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And, uh, and as you know, it's one of the, the days when Catholics usually attend Mass as a holy day of obligation, but I guess that's somewhat, somewhat uh, up in the air this year. As a matter of fact, this morning at 7 a.m. Mass, the priest said he, he welcomed everybody to Mass, and he said, if, if you don't know, today is not a holy day of obligation, but please don't leave. Please stay. <laughs> well, good for him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see anybody leave, so that was good. But it, it's, it's that important a day. I mean, we, we love Mary. She's our, she's our mother. Uh, speak to us about the Immaculate Conception and, and, and what would be of primary importance for us to reflect on and pray for today as we honor Our Lady? Thank you, Jack. Well, I'm a little bit prejudiced, to be very honest with you. <laughs> because I'm madly in love with Our Lady. And so I'm very prejudiced in my words about her. But of course, I, I'm in good company because Jesus is madly in love with Our Lady, too. And it's a little maxim of the Catholic faith that if you love the Virgin Mary, even if you're a Protestant, if you love the Virgin Mary, then you love what God loves. And if you love what God loves, then you become like God, you see. We are most like the people with whom we share loves. So loving Mary is a way to become like God. And of course, the Immaculate Conception is a significant and striking gift that God gave to his mother, a beautiful uh, blessing that in itself shows his love for her. Uh, she's the only human being uh, ever conceived without sin since the fall of Adam and Eve. Of course, if you think about it, Adam and Eve were really conceived without sin. They were created without sin. Of course, they weren't conceived in a mother's womb as, as Mary was, but from the first moment of their existence, they were without sin. And it's very important to, to conceptualize that, to realize that, because then you begin to see what a great honor it is to know Mary, that not only was the Immaculate Conception a gift to her, but it also shows her meritorious life, because she kept it. Adam and Eve, and by the way, even the angel Lucifer, the angel of light, they all were conceived or created without sin, just like Mary. But they lost it, and Mary didn't, you see? Mm-hmm. And so, as Mary has been given a great privilege out of God's love to be the Immaculate Conception, she also returned that, you might say, by remaining faithful to the gift that God gave her. 
And I find this to be a, a real hidden theme of today's magnificent feast day of the Immaculate Conception. It's a day to, to return to our roots, to yearn for innocence lost, to go back to when we were just little tiny children. And surely that's what our beautiful saving Lord meant when he said, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He means to return. Little children are, you might say, sinless. To return to that time and that age of sinlessness. And it is possible with grace. And that's what Mary had to make her immaculately conceived. She had grace. And when Gabriel came to her, God's great angel, he bowed down to her and said, Hail, full of grace. So it's the grace of God that made Mary immaculate. It's the grace of God that will transform us into something immaculate. And so the fathers of the church used to say this, the ancient fathers, what Mary was in the very beginning, so we shall be in the end. What Mary was in the beginning, immaculate, so we shall be in the end, immaculate. Mm. And immaculate, of course, it means spotless. That's the dictionary definition, you might say, is spotless. But we need to stretch it out a little bit, because as you know, every word has a connotation and a denotation, every, every word in every language. So the denotation, of course, that's the meaning of the word, you might say, scientifically in the dictionary, the denotation. And the connotation is what the word might actually mean in everyday language the little um, inflections of language that come to it. So, for instance, if I say, it's really cool, I could be referring to the weather being at 35 degrees, or I could be mean that something is incredibly wonderful, marvelous, and beautiful to me. Boy, that concert was cool. Mm-hmm. So that word has a denotation and a connotation. So the word immaculate, the denotation, it means spotless. But, you know, the connotation is something in some ways even more beautiful because it means precisely that. It means beautiful. So when Scripture refers to anything as immaculate or spotless, it's an ancient word for beauty. Beautiful. That that bride is immaculate, we say. We mean more than just spotless. We mean she's absolutely radiant in her beauty. And so the greatest beauty of them all is moral beauty. That when we see someone who's morally beautiful, like John Paul the Great, when we see someone who's morally beautiful, like Mother Teresa, we see someone like Maria Goretti, St. Maria Goretti, we, we see a beauty that surpasses all other beauties on the face of the earth, more beautiful than the sunrise or the sunset, and more beautiful than the roses or the lilies of the field more beautiful than the the greatest art masterpiece, more beautiful than the most wondrous music, is the soul that is radiant with the very presence of the purity of God. That is beauty. That is authentic beauty. And all the other beauties of this life, given to us so lavishly by God, are meant to point us in that direction of authentic, everlasting beauty, which is sinlessness or spotless. Isn't that true, team? That when we meet someone or see someone who's morally, you know, morally clean and holy and righteous, we see something breathtakingly beautiful. Amen. 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 
And that's when we call Mary the Immaculate Conception, we're saying then something more than that, that she's spotless. We're saying that Mary is beautiful. Mm-hmm. As Mother Angelica used to say, the angels themselves in heaven, they gasp. Every time they look upon Mary, they gasp. They lose their breath when they look at Mary. She's so beautiful that even the angels are taken by surprise when they look at her. They gasp at wonder. So when we speak of the American conception of Mother Mary, we're speaking of not only her spotlessness and her fidelity to the gift that God gave her, but we're also really quite directly speaking of her radiant beauty. And so Jesus came to earth in order to cleanse us of sin, but also to free us from ugliness. I need Jesus. Without Jesus, I am ugly. I become selfish and self-centered. And I tell you, team, sin is atrocious. Sin is so ugly. Even the smallest little sin, really, put under the microscope, it's ugly. Jesus came to beautify you and I, to make us beautiful. And so Mary, she is, you might say, the paradigm of that beauty that the Lord came to win for us on the cross. And so the cross itself at Calvary is both ugly and beautiful at the same time. There's such an ugliness there because the Lord took upon himself the ugliness of my sinfulness. And he nailed it to the cross so I could rise up in the beauty of his resurrection. And we see that accomplished in Mary, first of all, that she was kept free from sin in advance. We could say she was forgiven in advance, you could put it that way, although she never sinned. But time being no barrier, then we look at Mother Mary, and using the reasoning of a great saint, Blessed Don Scotus, a great Franciscan theologian, that he's the one that reasoned this through, that Mary was kept without sin. She was kept beautiful, you might say, from the first moment of her conception in advance by the merits of her son's passion and death. So Mother Mary was not, she was not saved apart from Jesus. She was saved by Jesus, but in a more perfect way than we were. But take hope, team, you see, because what Mary was in the beginning, the perfect fruit of the death and resurrection of Christ, which she was in the beginning, so we shall be in the end. And so Mary's Mac Conception is a feast day filled with meaning and with wonder. And in it, so to speak, we see the destiny of the human race. In this feast day today, we see the destiny of the entire world. We were meant to be a beautiful bride of Christ. And Mary, you might say, is the first member of this bride. She's the first member of the bride of Christ and the model and the example for you and I. So, yes, Jack, this is a a marvelous feast day with many shades of meaning, and it it makes me rejoice this day, and it calls us back to our childhood innocence. And if we go to Our Lady with her rosary in her hands, she will progressively help us to be free of all sin and to be filled with the beauty of holiness. And, of course, one of the first things she will do is she will lead us to the sacraments. It's one of the first things that Mary does. She will lead us to confession and to Holy Communion. She is so beautiful. She knows the way. But as my brother used to say, Father Tony, 
Mary, she makes the way to Jesus beautiful. She makes it easy. And he would say that Mary is the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down. <laughs> She's that spoonful of sugar. She's like the medicine God gives us. Like you give a child when they have a, take a terrible medication that doesn't taste good. You put some sugar in it or some juice or some Kool-Aid. And you make it palatable to the baby, to the child. And that's what Mary does for us. She makes the cross and the ruggedness of this life, she makes it sweet. And she makes holiness attractive. When we look at Mary, we say, wow, wow, can I be like that? Mama, will you adopt me to be your son or your daughter? I want to be just like you, pleasing to God. Amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 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 You know, she she doesn't ask for anything difficult or ask of us anything difficult. You know, it's say the rosary, you know, um, go to confession. It's it's the it's the simple thing. She never asks anything difficult of us. It's true. I mean she's a mama. Mm-hmm. If I were to put it like in a sentence, mama would say, Be sorry for your sins. That's it. That's all she asks. Just be sorry for any sins in our lives, because that opens the door of our heart and our will. It opens the door, and she will come in with her son, and she'll put things in order. It's like Mama's coming over to clean my house. <laughs> All I have to do is open the door. You know, the door's locked. I just open the door a crack, and she'll come in with her mop and her broom, and she'll clean house if I let her. <laughs> That's all she asks. Just be sorry. I'll do the rest. It's really, really that simple. Mm-hmm. On repentance, you say all of salvation sort of rests on repentance. And if you're not sorry, she even has a remedy for that. And Jack already mentioned it. Just pray the rosary. Lord God, I'm not sorry for my sins. I'm a big, fat, prideful sinner. I'm terrible. I'm going to pray your mother's rosary so she will give me the gift to be truly sorry for my sins. You pray the rosary for the grace to be sorry for your sins, and Mama will give it to you. Great. That's great. We're on a winning team, guys. Yes, we (laughs) are. (laughs) Yes, we are. And you can just sort of feel the holiness all around us today. It's just beautiful. Uh, I have a question for you, Father, but I wanted to to, uh, just make note of one quick thing. Jack said that today is not a holy day of obligation, and he is right because of the current pandemic. We've been given a little bit of a pass in terms of making this a holy day of obligation, but it typically is a holy day of obligation. So before we get lots of uh, calls and emails, I <laughs> want to mention that. And uh, as we were uh, praying along with you, Psalm 51, a common thread to me really seemed like it was it evolved around great trust and great humility like uh, teach me to teach me wisdom and sustain me in a willing spirit and it just made me think about humility and so what would you say father it means to be humble like mary how how do we live like the blessed mother in that total humility some ideas well we know that the word humility that it comes you know from a word that has to do with the earth with with dirt with the earth So humility basically means being what you are. And that's why St. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit in sacred scripture, 
warns us about putting on airs. He says, love doesn't put on airs, doesn't pretend. Love is real and authentic. And so humility is that virtue that brings me back to authenticity, that um, I, I'm, I come from dust and I shall return to dust. I am simply dirt that has been animated by the breath of God. I owe everything to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everything. I did not create myself. And I can't redeem myself either. Only God created me. Only God redeemed me. And only God is now sanctifying me. And so humility is a return to the basics. It's a return to the truth. And that's why many wonderful theologians teach us that humility basically is the virtue of, of honesty. It's really linked with truthfulness. To be humble is to be truthful. And to stop pretending that I'm God or that I'm a semi or a demigod, I'm not. I'm a little baby boy who, without God, would have been a gross sinner, probably worse than Adolf Hitler. But God rescued me. And so humility is a certain honesty about who I am and who I'm not. And so our arch enemy, Lucifer, the fallen angel, is such a sad story. But his, his problems really begin and end with pride. And there's a scripture verse attributed to Lucifer. It's so sad, the whole thing. And I'm very familiar with all these things in my work as an exorcist and the deliverance ministry. I've seen and experienced so many things that I know the devil is absolutely real. He's a real person, an angelic person. And he's really lost. He wants us to be lost with him. But his problems begin and end with pride. And one scripture verse attributed to Lucifer, he actually states that he would set his throne in the heavens. He would set his throne, like, even above the Most High. So Lucifer forgot who was God and who wasn't. Humility is always remembering who is God and who isn't. Who isn't? I'm not. Humility is always remembering the basic truths of creation, that creation was made by a creator, and he's absolutely beautiful, and he's not me. Our Lady had that, you know, in sublime perfection, this virtue. So every day of the year, the Holy Church prays for Magnificat, every day at, at evening prayer called Vespers. You can hear the whole church, all the Pope, the bishops, the priests, the religious, and now since Vatican Council II, even our beautiful lay people are invited to join us in Vespers if they can. It's right, it's on the Internet. We pray that Magnificat two-thirds of the way through Vespers every single day of the year. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. That's part of Mary's Magnificat. And you can see that Mary is centered on the praise of God. She's centered on God. And this is part and parcel of holy humility, that my eyes are not fixed on the mirror, but my eyes are fixed on God. 
the little joke from my daddy when I was a little boy, and we'd taken a walk with my dad. And sometimes my beautiful dad would say to me, hey, Jim, you see that person over there? I said, yes, Dad. He says, he or she, they have chapped lips. And I would say, Daddy, what do you mean, chapped lips? It's summertime. And Dad would say, well, when they get home, they look in the mirror, and they get real close to the mirror, and they kiss the mirror repeatedly, their own image. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was referring to, like, you know, to a certain spirit of arrogance you'd see in some people, male or female, Mm -hmm. a certain spirit of pride or arrogance. They would kiss themselves in the mirror. My dad said they had chapped lips. (laughs) So that's how I knew from then on when I was with my dad. He'd say, Jimmy, that one has chapped lips. I knew exactly what he meant, you know. That this person has to work on some humility. Uh Mary never had chapped lips. (laughs) It's another way of defining the matter conception. She's the only human being in the history of the world who never once had chapped lips. Her eyes were always focused on God. Exteriorly, and the baby Jesus, but also interiorly, as St. Anselm would teach us, that God dwells within the Holy Trinity. So these are all uh, different, you must say, aspects of holy humility, which has to do with, with being real, with being who you are, and being content and happy with who and what we are, never to be pretending that we're something that we're not. Really, true greatness belongs only to God. If I have greatness within me, and I'm sure that each of us does in some way, even the greatness within us was formed by the great hands of the great God. So everything comes from him. So really, humility is is empowered by praise. It leads to praise, but always yields joy. The humble man or woman is the one most ripe for joy. The prideful man, what does the Bible say? That pride precedeth the fall. That's infallible. You can't get around the Word of God. It is, that's the infallible instructions for the universe. Pride precedeth the fall. But humility, therefore, precedes the rise. Humility precedes the resurrection. And so humility, beloved, is the key to new life, is the key to joy. Pride yields sadness and despair and even destruction. But humility brings praise and joy and resurrection. Mary had this in in perfection. And even at Calvary, when her divine son was being tortured in front of her, partly by her own relatives, I mean, all the Jewish people were and are related by blood, by her own relatives and by the Roman soldiers, who was being mutilated and tortured in front of her. And Mama knew that Jesus, her son, was divine. She also knew this was the plan. So instead of crying out against it, she united her sufferings to his sufferings. She did not try to change God's plan. She accepted the plan as it was and united herself to the plan. Only a humble person can do that, to accept God's plan, God's will, not my own plan, not my own will, even when it hurts, because resurrection will always follow. It always follows. Pride always precedes the fall, but humility always precedes and anticipates the resurrection.
Mary knew that Jesus would rise again. Didn't make it any easier, but she knew he would rise, and her heart would rise with him. So we thank God for such a beautiful mother, and our hearts yearn, we truly yearn, that everyone in the world, all the Protestants indeed, all the Muslims, the Hindus, the beautiful Buddhist people, even the beautiful atheists. Some atheists are very beautiful. They just don't know God yet. We pray that all the peoples of the world will, will know God's masterpiece. Her name is Mary. She is God's Mona Lisa. She is God's masterpiece. She is really the emblem of the human race. We pray that one day, soon, 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 every human being on the face of the earth will know the Virgin Mary, will enter her heart, and become humble and spotless and beautiful like Mary, waiting for God. Amen. Wow. So beautiful. Well, y'all, it's time for us to take a quick break. So stay tuned. You're listening to Heaven's Light with Jim Blunt, Father Jim Blunt, on your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest. Hi, my name's Mary, and I'm with my friend, Janie, Rebecca, and Luke. And we're all students at Regina Chaley Academy in Roswell, Georgia. And you're listening to Atlanta's newest Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest. Listen on air or find us online at thequestatlanta.com any time of the day. We're on The Quest! This is Father Adrian Ploys from St. Vincent de Paul Catholic Church in Dallas, Georgia. My favorite prayer is the Holy Mass, but this is another one of my favorite prayers. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. There was no single event. It was more gradual. My husband was not Catholic, and at the time, I didn't really think that it really mattered which church we went to because we all loved God and we all loved Jesus. And that was the start of my journey out of the Catholic Church, where I remained out of the Catholic Church for over 30 years. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. When I um, started to read the Bible, I could see that our Catholic faith is steeped in Scripture. I could see some of the sacraments in Scripture. I could see some of the liturgy in Scripture. I wouldn't be the spouse, I wouldn't be the father, wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. The Quest presents Mom Minutes with Cameron Frad from Among the Lilies. Our life as moms are so busy. We're driving to and from this activity, that sport, and we're just busy all the time. We need to take a moment for ourselves and to breathe. We need to find a resting place. Um, I know for me, I'm so busy with my children. I don't actually have much time of quiet. And when there is a moment of quiet, my brain is racing to process all the interactions and or images or experiences of my day. Um, how do you find a quiet place? How do you quiet your heart? We must remove 
things in our lives so that we can have our hearts as a resting place for Jesus. Take a moment and let him dwell inside of you. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heaven's Light on your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Ike, Carol Tearsmith, and Jack Tyson. And of course, we have Father Jim Blunt on the phone with us. And I think Carol had the next question for this hour. Yeah, great. Thanks, Annie. Father, uh, prior to the break, Father was talking about the Blessed Mother and her, her humility and how really that's the virtue of authenticity and that uh, we reflect God when we're humble and we want God, people to see God in us. And it, it brought to mind um, a woman that I used to see frequently at um, morning mass and she had the most amazing smile and one day I went up to her and I just said your your smile just starts my day so wonderfully you just uh, light light me up inside and and she said oh it just it just went on and said it's all for the glory of God and I just thought to myself well wonder why she won't accept the compliment but now as I've um, grown closer to God and and I see that that's exactly what that smile was, it was radiating God to me. And so she was pure humility. So I don't know if you want to um, comment on that, Father. Well, it's a beautiful story, Carol. I think that we've all met someone like that at, at some point in our lives. And it, it also reaffirms that message that it's humility that leads to joy, that when our eyes are focused on God, then we are focused on the most beautiful being in the universe. Mm-hmm. We're not focused on something broken or, or something sinful, God forbid, but we're focused, we're focused on something perfect and absolutely beautiful, to look at the beautiful one all day and all night, and then to live in his will. I mean, then, then we're consumed by beauty, you see? Mm-hmm. And that's why one writer said that in the end, the world will be saved by beauty, he said. In the end, this world will be saved by beauty. We were actually, we were made to be beautiful. Of course we were. God is not just beautiful. God is beauty in itself. You might say that Mary is created beauty, and God is uncreated beauty. But we were made by the beautiful one. We were made to be beautiful. And so when we fulfill this destiny of ours to know beauty and to live in a beautiful manner, we we can't help but be joyful. We can't not be joyful when we live face-to-face with beauty. And when our actions are morally pure, uh, we are participating in beauty, not just looking at it, not just admiring it, but when we are morally pure, we are participating in beauty. We are becoming beauty. And so, yes, this is, it really fulfills that. It, it exemplifies that virtue and the fruitfulness of humility. Humility always yields joy. That's right. That's right. You know, speaking of, of beauty, uh, the next question has to do with uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe and what a, what a beautiful saint he was. And he had a, just an incredible devotion to uh, the Blessed Mother. And so, Father, will you share some thoughts about um, St. Maximilian Kolbe? 
Yes, um, it's probably not well known, but he was quite a first-rate theologian. And in fact, Mother Teresa, I think, is one of several who have petitioned the Vatican to name him a doctor of the Church, a doctor of the Church. He was a first-rate theologian, a theologian for the ages. And, you know, Maximilian, um, much of his um, adult life as a theologian was consumed with one sentence. And he penetrated this with the light of his intellect, you see. Our intellects, Thomas tells us, St. Thomas, have a natural light to them. And when we receive confirmation and the various sacraments, there's a supernatural light, too, within our intellects. And so this beautiful St. Maximilian, with the light of his intellect and supernatural light, tried to, to unfathom, you might say, that line of the Virgin Mary that she spoke to St. Bernadette Subaru at Lourdes in France, where Mary said to St. Bernadette when she asked her, she asked the queen, who was she? She says, I am the Immaculate Conception. These are very mysterious words. And, of course, little Bernadette was just a teenager at the time. She had never even heard those words, not even in French. What do you mean, the Immaculate Conception? It had just been declared a dogma just a few years previous to that moment. But here's what really struck Maximilian and other wonderful theologians as well. Mary did not say to Bernadette, I am the one who was conceived without sin, or... I am the one who was immaculately conceived. But rather, she said, I am the immaculate conception. And that's what struck Maximilian and all the great theologians. Mary said, I am the immaculate conception, not I am immaculately conceived. And he pondered that for years. What does that mean? And in fact, when he was arrested by the Nazi soldiers and brought to the concentration camp where he would ultimately die. And I've, I've been to that concentration camp and prayed right there at his cell where he, was, where he died. That very week, he was working on this sentence. When they arrested him, the papers were on his desk. His musings about this, and there's a beautiful book that's been printed and published uh, about his musings and his theological work on that very line, a beautiful has been printed and is available now about the Immaculate Conception by Maximilian Kolbe. He's how in the world can Mama say, I am the Immaculate Conception? Only God normally can say, I am. As he said to one of the saints, I am he who is, and you are she who is not. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord could be firm when he needed to be. He spoke that to one of the saints. I am he who is, you are she who is not. See, and that, that's humility on our part. But Mary was able to say, I am the Immaculate Conception. And so Maximilian would ponder, who are you, Immaculate Conception? Who are you? What do you mean you are the Immaculate Conception, not just Immaculately Conceived? And in his deep thought and prayer, with the light of the Holy Spirit, he came to these several conclusions. And it's really, it's amazingly, it's striking beyond words. He came to the conclusion that the very phrase, the Immaculate Conception, is that is actually a theological phrase for the Holy Spirit. Mm. The Holy Spirit is the Immaculate Conception. 
So he made the distinction. The Holy Spirit was conceived, you might say, from the love of the Father and the Son, and conceived spotless. He is the original Immaculate Conception. And so St. Maximilian said that the Holy Spirit is the uncreated Immaculate Conception. And Mary is his mirror image, the perfect image of the Holy Spirit, the bride of the Holy Spirit. She assumed his name, marrying him, and she is the created Immaculate Conception. The Holy Spirit is the uncreated Immaculate Conception, and Mary is the created Immaculate Conception. And those were the conclusions of St. Maximilian, trying to unpack the mystery of those amazing words. When Mary could actually say that, using the be verb, I am the Immaculate Conception. So that Mary is a singular gift in the history of humanity, a singular gift. And the way that I unpack it is very much related to Maximilian. And it goes like this, that a conception is a thought. I conceive the idea of this university or I conceive the idea of this show. We, we speak of conception, especially in philosophy, as a, as a thought, that we conceive a thought. And so Mary, you might say, is, is conception. She's a thought of God. But she's the immaculate thought of God, the immaculate conception. That means she's the spotless thought. But as we said earlier, that means she's the beautiful thought of God. Mary is the, the beautiful thought. That is the thought of the Holy Trinity. I want someone like this. This will be the mother of my son. This will be the bride of my son. This will be the model of the church. This is my immaculate thought. This is my beautiful conception. Mary, that's what everything is leading towards. God made us to be like Mary, his beautiful thought, and his son died on the cross to restore that beauty to us. And so Mary, the Immaculate Conception, I, I just sort of drew on what St. Maximilian himself wrote, that Mary is the beautiful conception, the beautiful thought of God for all the creation. The whole world was made for us, but we were made for God. We were made for God not to be ugly and sinful. We were made to be the beautiful, spotless bride of his Son. We see that perfectly incarnated in the Virgin Mary. And so Mary is, you might say, the singular thought, the singular thought of God. And we see that in Our Lady of Guadalupe, this amazing image of Our Lady in Mexico to St. Juan Diego, which actually occurred about this time in Mexico in those years, that was actually the octave of the Immaculate Conception. The reason I bring that up is that not only did Our Lady appear to Juan Diego during the octave of the Immaculate Conception, but that image of Mary on Juan Diego's tilma, which is still preserved today miraculously more than 400 years later, that image is still there, and many theologians think this is the, the original thought of God, that God painted that image on Juan Diego's tilma on the feast of the Immaculate Conception. He painted it. That's his painting of his mother. That's the beautiful thought of God, is Mary. And she's the one, you might say, that all women are modeled after her. 
The saints say when God created every other woman in the world, including Carol, Annie, and Stephanie, he first thought of his mother, and he made you to look like her. So she's like the blueprint, the blueprint for the human race. That's why she wears blue so often in her dresses. She's the blueprint of the human race. And so from St. Maximilian Kolbe, we learn that this designation of Mary as Immaculate Conception, one conceived without sin, is something more. She is the primary, the beautiful plan and thought of God for the human race. And he had to keep her spotless, not only for his son, but to be for us the mirror of sanctity. She's the mirror for all of us. What Mary was, so we shall become beautiful in moral purity and rejoicing forever in the praise of God. Mary is the Immaculate Conception. She is the thought of God. She is, Mary is the plan. Mm. Amen. Amen. You know, Father, we, I guess we probably have, what, Annie, five minutes, eight minutes or something? And I have a question I wanted to make, maybe ten minutes. So I have a question that I, I wanted to ask you, Father, and it was because we just had a chance to do it today, and that was a special devotion at noon. And I don't know that it's terribly well-known, but it was asked uh, for by Our Lady, and I know it's very, very special, and it's on December 8th. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and share some more details about it and background for our listeners. Yes, today on the Feast Day of Immaculate Conception, we honor Mary also under the title of the Mystical Rose. And that comes from some approved apparitions of our Holy Mother um, to a, a beautiful holy nun in Italy back in the 1940s. Her name was Sister Pierina, and he appeared to her in a little tiny church in a place called Montichiari, Italy, Montichiari. And Our Lady came to, to Sister Pierina at least 11 times and had special messages for her and eventually asked Sister that she would begin to promulgate, to proclaim to that little village and to the, eventually to the whole world that Our Lady wanted all of us on this day, her feast day, December the 8th, at 12 noon, to pray for an hour in her honor. It's really quite a beautiful devotion. So it comes around once a year on this day at 12 noon. And it wasn't it very strict requirements, but it's really striking, though. It stands out what Our Lady did ask her. And she said you could go to the local church, but you could also pray at home for this hour. But if you're at home, you could put away all distractions. You know, television sets and phones and all distractions. So it's an hour of silence. And Our Lady said, she told Sister Pierina, to begin the hour of grace. She called it the hour of grace. To begin it by praying the psalm that we prayed at the beginning of the show, Psalm 51. Our Lady asked us that we pray it three times, that psalm, the 51st psalm, with our arms outstretched. Isn't that interesting? Like mm -hmm. Jesus on the cross. So Our Lady's special request was during that hour of silent prayer, the hour of grace, to begin it by praying with our arms outstretched and praying Psalm 51 three times. Most of us kneel during that time, but some may not be able to kneel, but to stand to kneel or to sit, but to hold our arms outstretched and pray the psalm three times. 
And then Our Lady said the rest of the hour of grace can be spent on any special prayer that enables you and I to have communion with God. So it could be certainly the rosary, or just meditating on the Eucharist. Um, whatever our favorite prayers or hymns are for the rest of that hour. What's very interesting, though, is that Our Lady asked this of all of us so as to make up for, to do penance for the world, especially for the sins of sexual immorality. So this holy hour is meant for you and I to do penance for the, for the Church and for the rest of the world, that God would forgive and cleanse all the sins of sexual immorality, of impurity. You remember Our Lady told the children at Fatima that more souls go to hell because of the sins of the flesh than for any other reason. Mm-hmm. And so here's another approved apparition shortly after Fatima where we're giving an opportunity here to do something about it, to stop that headlong plunge into hell of so many souls. We live, team, in a perilous time. And why do I say that? Well, you know, it's the media in particular, but you know, our culture today, our our televisions and, and our iPhones and iPads and the movies and the magazines, the, the immodesty of or the way that so many people dress is all leading us into and promoting sexual immorality. So much so that we've forgotten how serious it is that these kinds of sins are mortal sins. They disfigure the soul. If Mary is immaculate, how immaculate is God? That's why there's an ancient phrase in the Church, holy things for the holy, holy things for the holy. We have to be holy because we serve the Holy One and we love Him. This particular hour of grace, every year, there's no reason why you couldn't do it other times of the year as well, is meant for you and I to make up for the sins of the flesh. Perhaps our own if we have them, but maybe for our families and for our, our village, our city, our country, to make up for the sins of the flesh to do penance for others in particular, so they won't be lost forever. So it's very fitting, it's very apropos, that this request and this particular um, penance would come on this day, the day of Mary's spotlessness, the Mm -hmm. beauty of holiness. Mary is giving us a way to help um, rid the earth of the ugliness of sin with the beauty of holiness. I really love this about our faith, about our Jesus, and about our Mary. They don't just tell us good things and holy things, but they also show us how to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. They don't just talk about these beautiful high ideals, which, of course, we have to, but they always give us childlike ways to bring it about, to bring about what they're talking about. And so that's what this is all about today, this special um, feast day, the Immaculate Conception, this special um, apparition of the mystical rose is about restoring the purity that Mary had in perfection, restoring that to our families and to the human race on this particular day. This is a day of grace. As you mentioned, you all could feel it right there, right there in the studio. Mm-hmm. I can feel it here in my rectory. Mm-hmm. This is a day of grace. And the 12 o'clock hour is an hour of grace. 
And Our Lady did say this is remarkable. She made at least three promises. Our Lady said that many special graces would be granted on, on this day during this holy hour, many special graces. And I would tell our listeners, you know, don't lose heart if you didn't know this or you forgot it. You know, the God that I know is pretty nice. <laughs> and so I would say do it anyway. If you didn't know to do it at 12, I think it's 251 here in Georgia. So do it at 3. Start it. Start your own holy hour at 3, because guess what? It's 12 o'clock somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so join yourself so wherever it's 12 o'clock. Join yourself in the Spirit with them and do it anyway. An hour of quiet prayer, beginning with Psalm 51 three times in a row. The rest of the time, quiet, better on your knees if you can, and offered as a penance for all the sins of immorality. Our Lady promised that many special graces would be granted on during this hour. She also said that the most hard-hearted sinner would be touched by the grace of God. The most hard-hearted sinner. So if we ourselves are having trouble with hard-heartedness, we can do it for ourselves or for someone that we know. And thirdly, Our Lady actually said that whatever we ask Our Lady for during this hour of grace, even if it's impossible, will be granted to us. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't contradict the will of God in any way. Even if it's impossible, whatever we ask will be granted. Many souls have experienced this from this devotion. And so extraordinary favors are being given to us this day. And we probably need them this year more than ever. We need this grace of purity and and this gift of receiving whatever we ask for in these impossible times. Amen. 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 Well, Father, our hour is coming to a close, but it's been such a beautiful hour with you. Would you mind closing us in a prayer and a blessing? Sure. And and I I want to mention just really uh, lightly as we pray that it's become very obvious now, I think. Can you still hear me, team? We yes. can now. Yep, you dropped oh, out for Lord. a second there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that with the, pres- the presidential elections, that we won't go into that right now, but it's become very, very obvious that there's been a tremendous amount of fraud involved in the counting of the votes across the land from some very reliable sources. And so that can be one of our intentions, to ask the Lord because humility is honesty. So we need, we need to be a nation of honesty, a nation of humility and a nation of honesty. That we make this part of our intention today, that God would bring forth the actual honest results of these elections. That's very, very important. We keep that in mind as we pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I'm going to begin, uh, beloved, with just a little tiny poem, a poem to in honor of Our Lady. Mary, crowned with living light, temple of the Lord, place of peace and holiness, shelter of the Word, mystery of sinless life in our fallen race, free from shadow you reflect, plenitude of grace, virgin mother of our God, Lift us when we fall, who were named upon the cross, mother of us all. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, heaven sings your praise. Mary magnifies your name through eternal days. 
We ask you, Lord Jesus, Father God and Holy Spirit, that through the prayers of Mary, under the title of the Immaculate Conception, the patroness of these United States of America, this land so blessed and so chosen by God, never meant for sin, but meant for holiness. We pray you today, O Lord, we would return to honesty, humility, and purity in this land, as modeled by the Virgin Mother of God, the Immaculate Conception. May the United States of America be restored to the beauty of holiness. May we be a shining light and a beacon to the entire world and to all the other nations, showing them the way to heaven, with Mary pointing out to the world the name and the person of Jesus Christ. O Virgin Mary, pray for every citizen of this country. Pray for all who live here, that we will love God with your love and reflect him with your very light. May Almighty God bless you, team, and bless our listeners. May he bless his beloved country, and one day, very, very soon, make us victorious in holiness and truth and love and in the gospel message. May Almighty God bless everyone listening through Mary's intercession. May you all become spotless and beautiful to the glory of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father Jim. And thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in to Heaven's Light on your Atlanta Catholic radio station. Stay tuned as the Divine Mercy Chaplet is coming up next. <laughs> 